0: Lord, I want to thank you, God, that our spirits today are gathered together. That our spirits, Lord, have come to Mount Zion, to an innumerable company of angels, to the city of the living God, to God the Father. Father, you are our Father, the Father of spirits. I pray, Lord, that our spirits will be fed today, that our spirits would be refreshed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'd like to go to John chapter 19, please. John 19, in verse 28. Did you know that you're a spirit? You know, the Bible says that we are spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes I think, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to get a little bit more mind conscious, emotion conscious, body conscious, instead of spirit conscious. And that's just been something I've been focusing on, and I pray that you would as well. Because Jesus, in his word, speaks to our spirits. The Bible says that his words are spirit and life. So let's begin. In verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, And put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. John talking about himself, I'll insert. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they pierced. If I had to put a title upon this discussion this morning, it would be, I thirst. I thirst. Jesus was made to thirst on the cross. Jesus was made to be broken upon the cross. Jesus was made to be pierced upon the cross. He was thirsty and without quench so that our quench could be satisfied in him. He said to me, "Come Come to me, all of you who thirst, and I will refresh you. I will fill you. When he was hanging on the cross there, they offered him sour wine. They put it on hyssop, and they put it up to his lips. And I I wonder if we can imagine the, the state of his thirst, the state of his exhaustion. And they offered him nothing but sour wine. Something that would actually aggravate. Sour wine is, uh, gets sour because acid comes through. It. it actually can burn. And all of us have, have had a taste of that 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 sour wine. Things that, that inflame instead of bringing relief. But God says, I want to come and I want to bring relief. I want to bring water to your life. I want to bring fullness to your life. And I want to fill you with the water of the Spirit of God. And I want to fill you in a place where no one else can fill. The Bible says that we're spirit, soul, and body. And Jesus, talking about this water in the Scriptures, talks about the water of His Spirit coming in to our spirit. Are you thirsty today? You know, there's a thirst in all of us that can only be satisfied by the spirit of the living God. There's a hunger in every heart, in every spirit, in every human being that only God can satisfy and God wants to satisfy the thirst in our hearts that only he can provide. Go with me please to John chapter 7. David said that he thirsted for God in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And with your finger in in John 7, if you want to just go with me to Psalm 63, David says this, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So have I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name, and my soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Notice that David said that this is a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He knew that the things on this earth couldn't satisfy the the hunger and the thirst that he had in his heart. So he looked to God. And God is calling us today to look to him every day. Notice David said, Early I will seek you. God wants us to seek him for life and to satisfy our hearts. He said, and you don't have to go there, in uh, Psalm 42, that my soul pants for you as the deer pants for the water brook. Notice the comparison there. You know, animals will travel miles and miles to find water. People will go to extremes to find satisfaction and things that they think will help them. Well, Jesus says, I am right here, and I am calling you to come to the waters. Notice, too, that thirst is discernible. When you're thirsty, you know it, right? Physically. Well, when our spirits are thirsty, we can recognize it. God wants us to understand that and to get in tune with our spirits and to see when our spirits hunger and thirst for him. In John chapter 7, Jesus was speaking at the end of the great feast. It was the feast of the tabernacles that the Jews were celebrating at the time. And during the feast of tabernacles, they would come and they would gather together for a week and they would dwell in tents And they were literally pitched tents to remember that God had them in the wilderness in pitched tents and that he fed them manna supernaturally and that he gave them water supernaturally in the wilderness. And every day they would come before the altar and they would pour out water in front of the altar to remember that God gave them water in the wilderness where there was no water. And this is the context that Jesus is talking to the people And in John chapter 7, in verse 37, it was the last day of the great feast. And if you're with me reading, here we go. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's interesting to note that Jesus was crying out on this last day of the feast. The Bible tells us that in his earthly ministry, he would not cry out, a smoking flax he wouldn't put out, in a bruised reed, but that he was gentle-spoken, that he was soft-spoken. He didn't cry out to the masses. He didn't call them to himself. But on this last day of the feast, the Bible says that he was crying out to people so that they could hear him and understand that the hunger that's in their hearts could only be found in him. And that after he went to the cross, that that hunger was going to be satisfied, not by himself, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom he was going to send upon the earth after his ascension. And he said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water. The Greek actually reads your belly, your innermost being. So God says, listen, The satisfaction that you are craving for doesn't come by satisfaction in your mind. The satisfaction that you're looking for, the peace that you're looking for, doesn't come through your emotions. It doesn't come through your body. Yes, it will take up residence there, but God says, I want to target the center of your life, your spirit, and when we receive Christ, the Bible says, what did that woman at the well say? She said, Lord Jesus where can I get this living water that you're talking about? He said, woman, listen, I'm telling you, he who comes to me will not thirst anymore. You're not going to have to come to this well anymore. But I want to give you water that you will never thirst again. She said, Lord, where do I get this living water? And he said, that living water comes from me. And that picture at the well is a picture of us coming to God through Christ and receiving him and our spirits being born again. Jesus said out of that spirit and out of that water will become a fountain in you springing up into everlasting life and that's at the well. Now notice on this last day of the feast Jesus speaks of another type of water He doesn't speak of a well or a fountain, but he's talking about a river. And he says, after I go to the cross, I want to put within you a river, something that has force, something that has flow, something that has life, something that has power, something that's going to satisfy you, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is going to come and dwell with you. Notice, he separates the new birth, and the giving of the Holy Spirit. The new birth, the opening of the well, is when we receive Christ and our spirits are born again. The river comes when the Holy Spirit comes. Amen? Now, I just want to prove this to you by the Bible here. In Titus chapter 3, and you can go there with me, but I'm just going to read this quickly. I just want to show you how the Bible differentiates between the two. In Titus, Titus chapter 3, the Bible says that when the kindness, I'll start in verse 4, Titus 3, 4. When the kindness and the love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. Now, what does that mean? That's a fancy Greek word. It says... Palin Genesia, which literally means birth again. Regeneration means birth again. In other words, your spirit will be birthed again. It will become alive to God. And Jesus compares that to a fountain. Now watch this. So you got the verse. Say regeneration. Say and. Notice the conjunction there, renewing of the Holy Spirit. So there's two things. There's regeneration, and then there is renewing. And God gives us a a better picture. I just want to show you another picture of this, and then I'm going to move on. Go with me to Zechariah chapter 4. Say renewing. God is making all things new in our life. God is bringing continual refreshing in our lives every day by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to renew us and refresh us, not just in church at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. God wants to renew us and refresh us, not just at a midweek service, but God wants to have a continual renewing and refreshing in our lives by the power of His Spirit, His Holy Spirit flowing through our human spirit. Say amen. In Zechariah chapter 4, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but The Bible says that God gave Zechariah a vision. Now, the angel who talked with me came back and he woke me up as a man wakes me out of sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of gold, solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on that stand are seven lamps with seven pipes to seven lamps. Now, try to just get a visual of this with me. You ever ever see the Jewish Torah, the lamps? There's one in the middle, and then they they branch out like that. Okay, those are the pipes, and the pipes go to the the lamps on the top. But he adds another visual. There's a bowl on the top of those seven lamps connected to those seven pipes. Are you with me? I should have put a picture up here. I found it on Google, but I didn't bring it. My fault. Now, watch, verse 3. Two olive trees are by it. One at the right of the bowl and the other is at the left. And so I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. And so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, or you shall become flat, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And I'll stop right there. In temple maintenance, the priests had to regularly be cleaning out the pipes Because the oil, there was sediment in the oil and they constantly had to clean it out. And it was a very, they had to constantly uh, deal with the wick and they had to maintain the wick. And there was a constant service of the priests in the temple that required work. God says, listen, I want you to work less and I want you to trust more in my spirit to do the work. So what he planted were two olive trees there, and those olive trees were continually dripping into that bowl and filling those seven lamps. This is a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God says there is a continual flow of my strength in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a continual flow of my grace and my enabling in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit it comes from the top down. It comes because Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sent the Spirit down for that oil to drip into that bowl and into our vessels and into our lives. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. Notice Zechariah said, Who are you, O great mountain? Because before Zerubbabel, you're going to become a plain. Notice that when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, that Things that were mountains or things that were problems are no longer, they don't look as big anymore because we know that God is helping us. They're not going to stand before us anymore. What did God say to Joshua? He said, Joshua, I'm anointing you. I'm giving you my authorization, my spirit, just like I gave it to Moses. And when you walk the earth, no man is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Does that mean that Joshua never had to confront enemies? Did that mean that Joshua never had problems in his life? No, he had a lot of them. In fact, he had to go and fight and take territory for God. But God says, when I've authorized you by my spirit and when my Holy Spirit is resting upon you, that great problem, that great mountain in your life is gonna become smooth by the power of God in your life. Say amen. So notice that that mountain... And that enabling and that problem is becoming smooth not by the works of the priests in the temple. But that thing in the life of the believer, that mountain is becoming smooth with shouts of grace, grace in Jesus' name. So God wants you to see that the things that come before us, the things that want to hinder us are not to be removed by our own ability. But there, we got to lift our voices. We need to say, Lord, I want to thank you, God, that there is a river. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors. Come on, sister. It sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And I'm going to begin to shout and say, thank you, God, for grace, grace. Notice, notice that this was in the hand of a man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a a governor. And if you read in chapter 3, there was Joshua, the high priest. So you have two trees. You've got Joshua and you've got Zerubbabel. You have men. And God... Now you think about this. The spirit of the living God. Jesus is crying out in the temple. He says, you must hear me. Those of you that are thirsty, you must come to me because out of your innermost being are going to flow rivers of living water. God says, literally, I want to put my Holy Spirit in you. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. The answer to our problems is not a formula. It's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. I woke up the other day with this thought, and it's just coming to me now, and I see it now. Freedom is an inside thing, not an outside thing. It's out, of the in, it's out of the heart that flow the issues of life. It's out of our inside that produce the things that we see on the outside. And God says, I want to bring transformation in your life. I want to bring renewing in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So God put his anointing, his spirit, upon Zerubbabel, civic leader. God put his anointing upon Joshua, you can look it up later in chapter 3, the high priest. Now both the king and the priest are combined in Jesus. The Bible says that he united the ministry of the king, because he is the king of kings, amen, and he united the ministry of the priest Say amen. He is the, a priest of God who made sacrifice unto God for us. He's at the right hand of the Father continually making sacrifices. He is fulfilling a priestly ministry as king. He brought the two together to one and he is the Prince of Peace. Amen? amen. Now we have been brought into him. We are in Christ. Let me prove this to you and I'll move on. Revelation chapter 1. I love this. Revelation chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. From Jesus, the faithful witness and the firstborn from the dead. And a ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us watch kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. One translation reads, a kingdom of priests to our God and Father. We are a kingdom of priests. We have been given the Holy Spirit in our lives, to fulfill the service to God that he has called us to. But sometimes the enemy comes in and tries to stop up that well. He wants to stop up that river, and he wants to bring confusion. And I want to just show you a picture of the well in Genesis chapter 26 The Bible tells us that Isaac, like his father Abraham, was digging wells, ancient wells, and that the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And I'm in Genesis 26, 15. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. For you are much mightier than we. And then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. So watch this, and I'm almost done. Abraham went and dug wells of water. This is a picture of life in Christ where we can tap into the wells of God, where we can tap into the Spirit of God. The Philistines had come. Abraham is the father. Compare him. To God the Father. In the beginning of creation. Where everything was new. Where everything was right. Where everything was pure. Where there was life flowing. And pure water. Flowing from the garden. And the Bible says that. Notice the Philistines. The enemy came. And they plugged up those wells. And this is a picture of our spirits. And this is a picture of our hearts. And You know, it could be something specific that has plugged your well. It could be a past trauma. It could be a chronic sin. It could be a very specific thing that is stopping the well of life coming out of you. It could be uh, plugging that well of your heart. It could be years and years of sediment. Just the things of life that just stuck to that tube. How many of you have ever um, cleared a a bathroom sink drain? You ever see what comes out of there? I mean, there's just stuff. Say it with me. Say stuff. Stuff. That can just cling and it builds up and it builds up and you've got to put something with some power in there. Come on. (laughs) I bought, I had to buy some of that over at the hardware store. The, The container came with a plastic bag around it to seal it because that's dangerous stuff. Right? So I want to speak to trauma. I want to speak to sin that's hardened. I want to speak to weariness and things in life that just continue to build up and just stop that flow of life so that our spirits are connecting with God. And then finally, I want to speak to The the new heart. Maybe somebody that grew up in church. You're growing up in church, but there's just something. There is that nature that's just naturally closed off to God. It's our, oh, that independence that says I want to go my own way and it closes off the spirit. But God says that there was a man, the promised seed, the promised son, and his name was Isaac. And he was authorized to go to those wells that his father had dug and the Bible says that he reopened them, NIV. He reopened those wells and God wants to reopen our hearts today. God wants to reopen our spirits so that our spirits, there's a free flow of communion between us and God and that we're being refreshed and that we're in relationship with him. Say redig the well. Only Isaac could do that the son and I guess I'll close with that it's only Jesus that can fill the thirst that's in our hearts it's only Jesus that can open our hearts and make way for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us Now I'm just seeing more and more of that it's it's only God that can do it by his spirit Zerubbabel said, not by might, not by power. It's by my spirit that brings the change. It's by my spirit that brings the filling. And I just want to point out one more thing and then we'll close. Notice that when Isaac went to the wells of his father that had been stopped up with the dirt that the Philistines and the enemy had put in there, He reopened those wells so that water could flow. And then the Bible says something very interesting. He renamed those wells. Did you see that? He called them by the names which his father had called them. Because here's what happens in our lives. Our hearts are before God. And the enemy comes and he stops it up and he brings things into our life that stop that. Well, he brings heartache, he brings trauma, he brings sin. And then we begin to identify with that. We begin to say, oh, that's who I am. That's my identity. These are the things that are happening in my life. So therefore, that's who I am. But when Jesus comes, the Bible says he opens up that well, he sets us free, and he gives us the name. He gives us the identity that our Father in heaven can only give us. That our Father in heaven had designed for us before the foundation of the world. The Bible says he knew you and he knew me and he knew our hearts. And only God our creator, God our Father, has the authority to really show us our true identity in him. And in Revelations chapter 2, I'll close with this. I think I have to do it three times, and then I finally close. Revelations chapter 2. Watch this. In verse 17, Jesus is speaking. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except for him who receives it. You might say, well, what's the interpretation? I can't tell you specifically, but the white stone speaks of purity. The white stone speaks of something that's pure, that, something that is unadulterated. And the new name, notice, is between you and God. So God says, listen, it's nobody else's business. There are things deep in your heart that only I know about. There are things in your life that only I know about. And if you will make it to the end, if you will walk with me And you will trust in me when you meet me on that last day. To him who overcomes, I'm going to give you a white stone. And I'm going to give you a name on that stone. And that name is going to make sense to you. And that name is going to make sense to me and nobody else. Because I am the author of your true identity. And I have the key to open up your heart and open up your spirit. Because I am your father. In Jesus' name. He was pierced. He thirsted so that we could come and be filled today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, Visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.